Uh, welcome to another episode of the Space for Dallas podcast. This is Dallas. How are you guys doing today? Oh man, another Sunday night broadcast. Late night on a Sunday night. Coming in from the airways from... <laughs> Coming in from the airways from high above in the radio station overlooking the city beneath. It's uh, your host for tonight, Dallas again. Uh, gonna see uh, where uh, <laughs> what all the bright lights and city slickers and stories underneath uh, this beautiful radio tower bring us here tonight. <laughs> Man, I'm just imagining being just some, you know, some uh, big radio. <laughs> Radio DJ Hillsong. You can clearly infer that I'm imagining that, of course. <laughs> it's if I really was a big radio DJ, uh, you would not be listening to this podcast. Uh, you'd be listening to the radio, which is surprisingly making a strange comeback in podcast form. Uh <laughs> radio podcast is just archived radio. You know, podcast is podcast is a radio on your terms. You get to choose the station, station everywhere, all the time. Station www.spotify.com. Choose your podcast. Choose the radio you like. It's a man late night radio. I wonder if there still must be an audience for uh, late night radio. Must be. I know there is. Coast to coast AM. I know that's a big one. Uh, don't know any others. And of course, that one, that's the one that deals with aliens at night. I've seen an alien come out of lake, uh, boogeymen, sasquatches, ghosts, you know, spiritual powers. Man, crazy stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, I'm back on the mic hitting these airways, you know, traveling from uh, <laughs> traveling from the electric circuitry with inside your computers to those eardrums, baby. Get ready to vibrate with me. <laughs> the sound, the sound is coming. <laughs> the reverberations of the particles are about to hit your lobes. Prepare your lobes because I am entering. <laughs> Welcome to the mind of Dallas Chang. Ah, uh, man. Uh, so a uh, lot of stuff happened this weekend. Biggest one being, of course, UFC. Uh, man, that UFC was crazy. I was one of actually the few UFCs where I did watch every fight on the card. Just because the UFC started off with uh, uh, Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler. I saw that one in its first. And it's they set it up like that because apparently Trevor Whitman um, had three fighters he was coaching that night. Um, Gaethje, Namajunas, and uh, Usman. And, uh, of course, he, uh, you know, he wants sort of like a break between uh, the two championship fights at the end. So he's like, yeah, man, uh, just going uh, <laughs> to, I guess we're just going to go, uh, yeah, Gaethje Chandler first and then take it from there. And, uh, yeah, Gaethje Chandler went first and man, was it fireworks. It was just punches and kicking and it was brutality, man. It was, uh, uh, violence. I mean, the funny thing is they were so active and they were, had such a high work rate. Every fight after seemed, <laughs> they were good fights too, that were like, you know, compared to, uh, any, I guess, normal fight, it looked good, and uh, it was active, and a lot of hits, a lot of kicks, a lot of punches, like, a good fight, but compared to what Gaethje and Chandler were just throwing out there, just bombs, 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 you know, just uh, 
throwing out kicks and uh, punches. Uh, nuts, yeah. It it uh, it made everything else seem like, oh, this is kind of a measured fight when, <laughs> when these other two guys are like going to war, but just slightly slower. <laughs> it's, yeah, man, I want to see more uh, more kicks into the UFC. That'd be, that would be definitely more. Enter the punching is good. I see some low kicks, but uh, I don't really see too many high kicks. But of course, to really throw a high kick, you sort of have to drop your guard, and it does open you up to takedowns. Um, which I get, but man, uh, it is exciting, but yeah, man, the, uh, the Gaethje Chandler fight, of course that goes to Gaethje and of course Gaethje's going to fight for the belt next, uh, Trevor Whitman, three athletes, all, <laughs> all champion. That'll be fascinating. Uh, Trevor Whitman as a uh, one coach, three athletes, all three athletes, best in their class, all uh, UFC belt holders. Uh, that'd be fascinating. <laughs> Probably's gonna happen. I mean, uh, if uh, if Poirier versus Oliveira goes, and uh, the thing is, Poirier has actually beaten Justin Gaethje, if I remember right. So if it does, if Poirier wins that against Oliveira for the championship lightweight, um, that'll be interesting to see because uh, uh, you know maybe uh, uh, Gaethje doesn't win. But Gage and Poirier, I mean, they're such they're both, you know, such great fighters. And I think Jake Gaethje would in a rematch against Poirier. I think he would. So, yeah. Uh calling it. <laughs> uh uh Poirier beats Oliveira for the title and then uh Gaethje uh fights uh Poirier and beats Poirier. Uh what a <laughs> I'm I'm calling it two fights ahead. Already, someone timestamp this because I'm calling it. Uh, and if I win it, uh, my bet, uh, I get uh, nothing. <laughs> I'm just calling it just because I'm betting knowledge, guys. I'm betting knowledge and my reputation in the podcast space. All right, in the airways. That's what I'm betting. That's what I'm putting on. Uh, and the uh, the Nama Yunes fight, I really thought uh, Zhang Wei Li was going to win that back. Uh, I really thought I thought she had the power advantage. I thought she was willing to to take it and was strong, but uh, but Rose put up a good fight, held the advantage, and uh, kept the belt. And then the Kamaru uh, Usman versus uh, Colby Covington, man, that was uh, that actually fight was a little bit more measured. I I I, uh, I was really hoping Usman was going to. Uh, Go for the knockout like he did against Masvidal, the big knockout punch, you know, just blam, send him straight to the ground, knock him out. I, w I was looking for that the whole time, and, and I'm like, come on, come on, I'm waiting. You got him, Usman. You got him. Just throw the punch. I see it. I see the arm coming up. Come on. Your right arm's right there. It's attached to the right side of your body. Just throw it. <laughs> and, uh, and nothing. Oh, I mean, not nothing. Of course, they, Colby Covington did put up a good fight, good, solid fight against Usman. Rocked Usman a couple times. Usman recovered, hit him back. Uh, sort of during the fight, Covington looked a little hesitant, a little depressed, sort of looking like when he went to his corner, he wasn't looking at his coaches. He was looking away. Um, so, you know, a little, a little strange, especially like, I think that was like round two, round three. I was like, what the heck? You're in, you're in the middle of the octagon. Why do you look so, 
you know, like, not bored, but like, and not like distraught, but just sort of, uh, I don't know, yeah, depressed or, um, you know, like a little out of it. Like, what the heck? Like, you're not, you, you got to be hyper focused right now. Right? What, what's the, just the body language of it and his face just made him seem so, you know, like, ugh, I don't know, like, like distracted or something. But anyway, he fought, went all five rounds, which, you know, going all five rounds with Usman, that's that's a win of sorts. That's further than he went last time. But uh, and uh, it was getting close to ending like last time, too, with a, he was um, uh, hold up defending uh, Usman throwing punches. So then he had to shoot forward um, and then Usman uh, mounted him uh, and just started, you know, heavy shots to the body. Uh, those body shots. Uh, you know, they, they can be, you know, over a, a period of time, really bothersome, but I've definitely learned through watching UFC, there's, you know, you can, you can punch a guy, you know, like on the leg and he'll like never block it, but also that's a weak, that's a waste of energy. That's a weak hit. You know, you uh, scoot down to punch a leg that doesn't really weaken him. You know, he still stays strong. He still has a good stance. He uh, he has a lot of muscle there to protect himself. It's not a you know, not a good t- uh, use of your energy. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, you know, that, that Usman uh, Covington fight, it ended well. Mutual respect on both sides, it seemed like. Uh, and, yeah, if, uh, I mean, Usman's beating everyone in the division in his weight class now. I mean, who does he fight next, you know? Who's the uh yeah, it's it's he's just doing rematches against everyone he's beaten before. Come on, get out of here, dude. <laughs> it's, can we throw this guy a challenger? Uh Leon Edwards, that'll be a nice that'll be an interesting challenge if uh if he beats Masvidal. Masvidal Masvidal might I don't know, he might lose that. Might win that. Actually, I feel like that could go either way, uh, between Masvidal and Edwards. Uh but I mean, if Edwards wins, he definitely is gonna have to challenge. Yeah, because he's in one seventy. Yeah, he's definitely gonna have to challenge uh, uh, Usman for the fight, and that'll be a, that'll be a fun one. That'll be another fun one to see. And that one will uh, he will give Usman the same record uh, as uh, as Anderson Silva in terms of sort of the longest um, was it the longest undefeated fight streaks? Uh, I think. Uh, yeah, I think so. But, yeah, it's, uh, man, that's that's a fun career to follow. Usman's not old either. I think he's only 35, so he has a lot of years in the division before he sort of physically declines. Um, and, man, I saw a bunch of other, the other fights. The uh, There's a, a one against um, Edgar, Edgar, I, I'm forgetting his name. Um, he was like 40. Edgar Wright, I want to say. I'm not sure if that's right. But a forty-year-old guy usually, when the forty-year-old guy fights, he he puts on a little bit of a show. But I mean, he puts on an effort. But everyone sort of knows, like, oh, the younger guy's gonna beat him just because forties is old in the fight game, just old. And uh, UFC can be pretty rough on you, pretty rough. And uh, Edgar was actually holding his own until the very last minute, where um, front head kick, um, and he knocks out. But he was holding his own, and I think it, it might have gone. Um, he might have, if he held his own and did well and defended, he, he might have actually won that fight. Um, so sort of showing that uh, 40-year-old guys uh, 
can still fight, you know, if they need to against the younger guys. So, but you know, the front head kick came, boom, and then once you knock out, you know, you're done for. So, nah. Uh, congrats on him. Also, uh, Seattle Krakens uh, played uh, same time as UFC, but uh, but I decided to watch the UFC instead. <laughs> so, not that I don't love the Krakens, but man, the uh, I'm learning a lot about ice hockey. I'm learning a lot about ice hockey. I, my even though my my family's big in ice hockey, we're a big ice hockey family. We have uh, we have all the cups. We have <laughs> we have all the teams. We have all the uh, sticks. We we have uh, 30 pairs of uh, ice skates for each member of the family. That's how much we love ice hockey. I'm not just a bandwagon Seattle Krakens fan. I've been watching ice hockey since I was a baby. All right, I was born with a with a hockey puck and a stick in my hand. And uh, when I was born, I didn't even have feet. I just had blades. Blades, and from those blades, those doctors had to form feet. Uh, but there's still blades in their hearts. <laughs> <laughs> man, I saw the um, and man, the Seattle Krakens uh really disappointed me. <laughs> as a as a as a, such a huge not bandwagon uh Seattle Kraken uh ice hockey fan. By the way, can you even be a bandwagon with the uh, Seattle Kraken? They just started. They just started, so every fan is like a real fan because there's there's like no history to uh uh I don't know fall back on or there's no. Like, uh, there's no history to, like, remember, you know, as, except if we're going back to, like, the Seattle Metropolitans. But every fan is, a, <laughs> is like, a real fan. Uh, we've been watching them since the very beginning. Well, they've only been around for, like, six games. So, I've been there, man. I saw the first one. I've been following them the whole time, you know. <laughs> it's They've only, like, played a few games. So, you know, it's... Don't worry, man. I've been... It's... Yeah. But played against the uh, Coyotes, the um, Arizona Coyotes, I think it was. Arizona Coyotes have lost every single game uh, this whole season except uh, against the Seattle Krakens, which, uh, wow, we, we, we lost against that team. <laughs> the Arizona Coyotes were the, the, the one team that's been losing every game this season. And uh, the Krakens, by the way, the Krakens for... Uh, you know, for being a brand new team, uh, I mean, all the players are experienced, of course, so, you know, but the team being brand new has actually not had, you know, a bad season at all. The season has not, I mean, been bad. I mean, a little bit of a, we had our first hat trick in that game. That was fun. First hat trick. Uh, and how did the, let me check uh, the Seattle Kraken record. Yeah, four to seven to one. Oh, okay. Actually, yeah, pretty bad. Actually, pretty bad. Not as much. Not. I thought we won way more. Oh no, though I was following preseason games too. Uh, yeah, but for the season, yeah, we've only. Yeah, we have lost a lot of games. All right, never mind. Contr uh, pulling back my last statement. Pulling that back, we have only won four games and lost seven. That's pretty bad. Uh, one, one though, one, we did, uh, go to overtime in one in which we lost in overtime. So overtime loss, baby. That's, uh, hey, <laughs> but not as bad as the Arizona Coyotes, uh, uh, score right now. One to 10, uh, one ten. <laughs> the crack and being the one team. I swear if the, uh, if, 
if they, if we're the only team the Coyotes beat this whole season, I'm I'm gonna lose my mind. This is gonna be crazy. I uh, I I just can't believe it. I won't believe it. It's not true. Fake news. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, dude, the Seattle Kraken. It's uh, it's sort of fun because you can find um all the games on Hulu. They stream them live. And the fun, great thing about the live streaming is you can go back, um, go back and watch it. Like it, they throw the epi- the whole episode up immediately after the live stream, so you can immediately like watch it again. And the thing about especially sports is it's always hard to find past games you want to rewatch for whatever reason or you missed it, um, you didn't record it, so you want to go back and watch it. The great thing they're doing with uh, NHL is they'll have your team. And then they'll have the season and all the games right there that have happened for you to watch immediately right there for you. Um, it's on Hulu, ESPN Plus. I, I think it's even on the Seattle Kraken website. Like that is so. Uh, that's how you build. That's how you're able to build a real fan base because you just make the you know the content I guess so available. It's just so easy to find. It's right there. Watch whole, whole games. Um, and yeah, it's like oh my god, that's. Yeah, this is it's so like kind of refreshing because I guess uh, you I guess you can only really do that with, I guess, a smaller league. You know, I mean, with football, I mean, listen, once the game's over, it's it's so hard to to find the full game, you know, uh, to rewatch like immediately after it's uh, so anyway, Seattle Kraken. So, I mean, I guess we p- played well. The only guy pulling any. Uh, 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 the, the only guy pulling his own weight is Grubauer, uh, Phil Grubauer, who's our um, our damn goalie, the best player of our team, and he's the goalie. Um, <laughs> at least he's blocking all these shots, but our team just can't seem to sink any points in. Of course, when the goalie has to block a million shots, of course, a few get in. Um, and then uh, just uh, no one else on the team. <laughs> just no one else on the team can, like, can, I'm doing a lot here, guys. Can you, any of you, <laughs> score a few goals, please? Make the other team's goalie work harder. I don't want to work hard. <laughs> uh, but that was uh, that was uh, fun to um, it's uh, to wa- uh, watch. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely going to have to, Keep following the Seattle Krakens, see what they do. They're uh, scheduled to fight the Golden Knights again. We lost our opener against the Golden Knights, but hopefully we turn it around this time. Hopefully we win. And, yeah, I mean, I'm learning a lot about ice hockey, too. There's three periods um, because they got to let the Zamboni run over the ice. Uh, Just because, yeah, you shred up your... Yeah, with ice hockey, you shred up your own field so much. I mean, you have to... Yeah, go in and fix it. So the three periods is sort of an interesting uh, way to do it. You know, there's really no, like, true halftime. So I, I kind of like that. And, I mean, uh, I, I I guess eventually as I, like, watch enough ice hockey, I'll just learn the rules as I watch. That's one of the good things commentators are good for is they'll explain a rule to you. Um, really, that's the only thing commentators should say. I uh, sometimes commentators, I guess, just to fill space, will just talk about things, just to fill. This, and I think it's because people expect it now. People expect someone to talk, and to say something. Uh, 
just you know just because to sit in silence and just watch a game would be devastating uh <laughs> my mind can't handle it i'm too alone uh <laughs> yeah but uh yeah it's so cool finally having a, a hockey team in seattle how do we ever lose the seattle metropolitans that's what i want to know i should google that how did seattle lose its hockey team yeah because we had a we had the Seattle Metropolitans was the very first uh very first uh American team uh to win uh, a Stanley Cup and it's like yeah we disbanded that team uh, Seattle Metropolitan's professional ice hockey team competed in the uh, Pacific Coast Hockey Association from 1915 to 1924. Uh, during their nine seasons, uh, Metropolitan's won three PCHA championships, second only to Vancouver Millionaires, Maroons, and one Stanley Cup, 1917. Hey, one in 1970. Man, that Stanley Cup goes way back. 1917. The latter victory was the first by an American team. Nice. In a subject of the Seattle-based sports writer Kevin Teakin's 2019 book, When It Mattered Most. Uh, the Forgotten Story of America's First Stanley Cup and the War to End All Wars. Wow. Here we go. Well, isn't that fascinating? Isn't that uh, <laughs> the war? Not only do you win the Stanley Cup, you win uh, the war to end all wars. <laughs> We need to win this cup, not just for Seattle, but to end all wars. <laughs> I don't know why I did some, like, JFK voice there. Okay, here we go. The Metropolitans folded in 1924 when the Seattle Ice Arena at 1200 Fifth Avenue, 1200 Fifth Avenue, which had been their home rink since their founding, was converted into a parking garage and no replacement could be found. Seattle would not have another team competing for the Stanley Cup until the NHL Seattle Kraken began playing in 2021. Yeah, there's a lot of smaller local teams, uh, like the um, Everett. There's an Everett team. Um, there's a small little Vancouver Ice team. I, I don't know if they're like pros, or they're not in NHL, so they're in some sort of separate league, the Everett Silver Tips. I should actually see Everett Washington Silver Tips. What? Like, what? The thing about the Kraken game is for a Silver Tips game, it only costs 30 bucks to actually see some, um, you know, to, to see some hockey for uh, uh, the Seattle Krakens. You better be willing to spend, you know, $300 a ticket for nosebleed receipts. Uh, Everett Silvertips are an American major junior ice hockey team, currently members of the U.S. Division in the Western Conference of the Western Hockey League, WHL. Oh, okay. Uh, an expansion team. Oh, nice. Name comes from the Silvertip Bear. Team plays at Angel the Winds Arena. Oh, okay. The team's mascot is Lincoln, a silvertip bear, named after the aircraft, car aircraft carrier USS Abraham Lincoln, stationed at the time at Naval Station at Naval Station Everett. If you're naming, if the team's mascot uh, is named after the U.S. after the aircraft carrier USS Abraham Lincoln, 
isn't your mascot really named after Abraham Lincoln instead? Is that isn't that isn't that really who you're named after? Uh, so you're named after Abraham Lincoln? No, we're named after USS Naval Carrier Abraham Lincoln. Uh, so it's still really Abraham Lincoln, right? It's no, it's the aircraft carrier. They just have the same name. Uh, man, the uh, so it's a junior team, so like, I guess semi-professional, because there are there is a Seattle Thunderbirds uh, hockey team, also a junior ice hockey team, a major junior ice hockey. Major junior hockey is overseen by the Canadian Hockey League, which acts as the governing body of its three constituents. Uh. There's the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League operating in Quebec and Atlantic Canada. The Ontario Hockey League operating in Ontario, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. And the Western Hockey League operating in Western Canada, Washington, and Oregon. Uh, oh, these have, the oh these are 16-year... The CHL allows up to four 16-year-olds on each roster. Uh, the CHL currently places a cap of three 20-year-olds. Um, on each team, and then um, it's mostly 15-year-olds uh, that play. Uh, no, no, 15-year-old players were formerly permitted to play a limited number of games per season at the CHL level. They are now permitted to play only if they are deemed exceptional by the CHL. Oh, okay, so I guess it's, you're only allowed four 16-year-olds, and then they put a cap of three 20-year-olds so it's like 17, 18, 19-year-olds, I guess, mostly playing. Oh, so this, is, this isn't... This uh, is uh, Due to pain... Yeah, so this isn't like a professional... This isn't professional at all. Due to pl- paying players stipends and allowing junior met players that have signed entry-level contracts with the NHL. Oh, wow, you're still actually allowed to sign an entry-level contract with the NHL. It's not a bad team. All CHL teams are considered professional by the NCAA. Uh, Thus, any player who plays a game at the major junior level loses his eligibility to play for universities in the United States. A player retains eligibility for Canadian universities, however. Uh, Wow, isn't that fat? Really? You lose your eligibility to play for universities. So there goes uh, your hockey scholarship. Uh, by the way, they're paid a stipend. Uh, how much do you want to bet the stipend? Yeah, it's like a hundred bucks. And, uh, by the way, you have fees to play and your fees are 120 bucks. So it's like, oh, there go, go bye bye stipend. Uh, looks like, uh, that didn't last long, you know? And yeah, you can sign an entry level contract with the NHL. How many people actually do that? You know, there, I'm, I'm sure there's like one guy, two guys. Maybe. And by the way, if they're already if they've already signed an entry level contract with the NHL, they're probably not planning on going to college anyway. They're probably just saying, Yeah, screw it. I'm just gonna like train all day in ice hockey. I already have an I already have a contract with the NHL. So jeez. Oh, this this is that whole sort of problem with those with these NCAA rules about paying players. As soon as you get paid, you're considered a professional. 
uh, yeah, dude, I'm also only paid, you know, a hundred, 150, you know, maybe 200 bucks. And then I have fees I have to pay to be in this league. They're like 250. Ah, oh, man, that's, that's nuts. That's, yeah, I feel bad for all these players. Um, you know, they play high, they, then plus, plus they're like, they're all, you know, 16 to 20. So they're all like, in high school, I mean, they're just about to go to college too. I, I guess, uh, you know, I guess you stop playing when you're 18 or something. As soon as you graduate, maybe play for one extra year till you're 19, and then head off to college. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's nuts. That's crazy, huh? And by the way, what a what a way to uh, fold, right? Uh, Oh yeah, we had to uh, uh, fold the Seattle Metropolitans. Why? Well, uh, even in even in 1920 Seattle, uh, <laughs> even in 1920 Seattle's, uh, everything was getting bought out and turned into parking garages. Even in 1920 Seattle, when was there a time when they were not turning? When there was not enough parking in Seattle? Uh, forever, forever. <laughs> There's never been enough parking in Seattle. There was not enough parking last year, the year before, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, all the way back till 1924. They had to uh, lose their hockey team uh, just to get enough parking into Seattle. And it would take literally almost 100 years to get it back. <laughs> it's Once you lose it, it takes forever for it to come back. Man. That is nuts. <laughs> the Seattle Ice Arena. Man, oh man. 4,000-seat multi-purpose arena in Seattle, Washington. And baby, we're going to turn it into a parking garage. We're going to turn it into uh, car car lots, car spaces. Is that still? I want to know if that's still a parking garage. Let me see here. Is that still a parking garage? Is that... <laughs> I swear to God, if it's still a parking garage. No, it was torn down in 1963 to make way for the IBM building. Uh, man, so uh, so even uh, <laughs> it's what a way to continue to add to the parking problems of Seattle. Uh, <laughs> it's oh, even back then, Seattle was getting gentrified. Everybody, even back then. 1920s lose the ice rink it turns into a parking garage uh after the parking garage uh it turns into uh an office building 1205th formerly the IBM building uh 20-story office building building and the metropolitan tract of downtown Seattle Washington and it is the most boring building you can imagine I like how this has a page on Wikipedia for just a, uh, you know, oh, wow. Nard Jones wrote in 1972. I don't know who Nard Jones is. Nard Jones is an American writer, best known as a novel set in the Oregon and the Pacific Northwest. Okay, not a great architectural um, genius here. Uh, what did he write? Jones's first novel, Oregon Detour, was set in a fictional Oregon town of 600, 600 inhabitants called Creston. Uh, da, da, da. Written according to the new tenets of the new realism literary movement. By the way, what a great name for a book, Oregon Detour, just as I'm about to take a detour uh, from the original train of thought I was having. 
<laughs> oh, oh, man. Isn't that serendipitous? Serendipity, ladies and gentlemen. That's a, that's you. That's the one thing I can provide you. That's one thing a real podcast like myself can provide you. Some real serendipity. <laughs> some some real uh, irony there. Some real uh, some real some some realness that you can only get from DJ Dallas coming at you live from the airways here at a uh, radio station DC radio station. Uh, two-in-one laptop radio station bothel sitting up on the hill looking at all you city goers going down there living your lives and up in the bright lights of those uh that bustling uh bothel skyline <laughs> but what did nar jones write about this it, by the way this building is uh looks horrible i don't know why people they they say it's this great design imagine um for those of you listening, which is all of you, of course, imagine um, a block, a piece of paper uh, that's three-dimensional, and then imagine a bunch of uh, lines drawn straight down, and then sp- and then they're spaced only th- like three centimeters apart, not even three, two centimeters apart across the whole face of the paper, from the beginning to end. And then um, that's what this building looks like. That's what this building looks like. <laughs> Literally, it's what it looks like. Um, a piece of paper that was three-dimensional, and some guy just drew lines straight down uh, two centimeters apart for the whole uh, width of the paper. It is uh, the most uninspired thing I've ever seen in my whole life. Just basic, basic, basic. Like, we just need cookie cutter uh make it and done boring office architecture boom here you go just a bunch of little rooms bunch of fluorescent lighting and uh you know four bathrooms on every floor uh enough for everyone inside there you go you get the uh <laughs> you get the one and done office building uh the uh the cookie cutter mass produced uh you know, it's uh it's there for you to use not for you to look at or ever feel inspired by it's it's the uh you know i mean people make forks beautiful you know you think you're gonna make an office building beautiful but whatever that's like a wrench i guess you know just a wrench just a pedal wrench to <laughs> just a, a wrench to screw bolts and Oh, and would you look at that? I gave you guys some extra content you didn't ask for, but I decided to do you a favor and deliver anyway. That's how DJ Dallas looking looking at you live from the booth up in uh, Bothell Studios, looking down at all you cool cats and kitties chilling around in those bright lights of where you live. Uh, thanks again for tuning into the radio station. Uh, we're about to uh, tune out and uh, let you listen to the uh, soft pitter-patter, the vibration of the universe uh tune in again next week where i may or may not be here uh goodbye